Hello, bienvenue, ni hao ma. Welcome to the 39th installment of the Talking Talkie podcast. I am Matt Parkman, returning from my home in Manchester. Uh, Nick French is in the West Country somewhere. Where do you live? Highbridge. Highbridge. Nick, hello. Are you, are you well? I'm very well, thank you. Excellent. Uh, Matty Haywood is joining me from up here because he's moved. Hello, Matty. That's correct. Hello. Uh, and uh, Rowena is back with us for another episode and she's in um, Toryville. You're in Cheltenham. Hello. Uh, right. Thanks, Matty in Toryville. Hi, everyone. She's not happy about it either. No. Um, <laughs> we, three of us, we played, um, no, we didn't play Cheltenham. We played Chesterfield yesterday. And uh, three of the four of us who were here had the foresight to pre-record uh, a little bit of chat about the first half while we were at the game. So we're going to play that for all of us now, and then we'll be back to talk about what happened after that, including some reflections on Matty Haywood's predictions that you're about to hear. Right, I'm here with um, yet more Talking Talkie reprobates. Uh, we are underneath the north stand at Chesterfield. It's half-time, it's nil-nil. Fairly interesting game. Um, I'm here with Matty Haywood, of all people. Can you imagine? Hello. Uh, I'm also here with Rowena. Hello. Hello, nice to see you. Um, editor P is also here, but I don't know how much she's going to have to say. Hi. <laughs> so, yeah, it's nil-nil. Um, safe to say the two most interesting things that have happened all in the first half, uh, one of which you have seen on BT Sport and one of which you won't. Um, Matty Haywood... Tell us your story. I mean, I don't want to go into too much, Jeff, but I got I got briefly told off, but well, less than briefly actually, by by a, a fellow talking fan for my over criticism of Armani Little. I called him a show pony because he was changing his boots while the game was going on, which I think is poor. Um, and I mean, it's fair to say he went into more depth than that about about my uh, misgivings uh, about Armani Little. Yeah, we were. The story that I was told off uh, off air was that it was significantly more violent than that, and it, it didn't end particularly well. Um, the other story that you will probably have seen that was slightly more interesting than the football um, was dear old Jules Nixon, who is a, a Benny Winter Appreciation Society friend of the podcast. Um, poor sod had been well drinking cider since about nine o'clock this morning. <laughs> Uh, and some of that cider made a reappearance and uh, apparently he was caught asleep on, on BT Sport, which isn't really our fault. Uh, Chesterfield, if you're listening, if you played a more interesting brand of football, maybe away supporters wouldn't fall asleep. I don't know. It's uh, just, a, just a, something I thought. Apart from that, on the football side, Rowena, how did we play? I think we're under a lot of pressure. I actually think we're playing pretty well. We're, our defence is working really, really hard. I actually think Ben Winter is smashing it. Um, we've got their striker in our pocket, considering he costs 200 grand. So I, I think it does. I do worry that we're going to get tired in the second half. We really need to push forward and get some chances on goal. But right at the end, there was a couple of chances that could have been goals. So fingers crossed we carry that on to the second half. Yes, amazing. Uh, Maddie Haywood, why is Shemanga useless against us every time he turns up on the same pitch as us? I think there's a bit of a misunderstanding about Shamanga. He scored goals at a shit level, and I mean, he's never done it. He's never done it against Torquay. Um, he's clearly a good footballer, certainly a good finisher, but we've prevented him from having any chances. And um, you need chances to score, and he hasn't scored this shit. There you go. Yeah, not um, not upset about that at all. Um, P, say something interesting. I might start a chant just for Ben Curry. You might start a chant for Ben Curry. <laughs> No, Ben Curry requested that I start a chant. Oh, so I did... might start a chant next half for Ben Curry, but oh. not for Ben 
Okay, so we're not right. So we're not getting like curry is thing on the. Okay, all right. So she's not happy lyrically, apparently, with that one. Factually, she is happy, but apparently not um, not lyrically. So, all right. Uh, I think that's enough from us for half time. Um, nil nil. We'll see you all at full time with as many people as I can round up. Well, there we have it. That's what happened in the first half. Um, goalless, nil nil. Not a complete waste of time. Um, it gave at least one of us a chance to grossly embarrass ourselves by. Um, as aforementioned, falling asleep during the game. Uh, Jules had a bit of a nightmare getting home as well. We we hear he's all right now. I hope I hope he had a lovely day regardless. Um, but turning to the second half, three out of the four of us were there. Uh, I'm going to pick on the one who wasn't. Nick, what was it like on the radio? Well, well, I watched it. Obviously, what BT, was it like on a telly? Sorry, BT no, Sport God, I... and all that. Yeah, what was it like watching on the TV? How did it look from a, a BT Sport perspective? Well, I mean, we we certainly had the the best chance of the first half with um, with Lolos. Um, you, the more you watch it, the more you kind of wish he'd had a couple more games in the first team and was probably a little bit more up to speed. But you know, I think we were we we would probably been flattered by being one nil at half time. I think whilst we hadn't been outplayed. I don't think we probably deserve to go in one nil up. Um, and then the second half, again, I don't think Chesterfield at any point really outplayed us. Um, they were they were good. They're a decent side, but they I don't think that they did anything particularly impressive. Um, I was a, a little bit disappointed with the commentary on the television because they very much suggested that Sean McDonald was at fault for the first goal, which I disagree with completely. Um, the, you know, there was a ball that was fizzed across the, you know, two yards out. You would always scream at a goalkeeper to to deal with it because if somebody comes in and taps in at the back post, you would always say that's the goalkeeper's territory there. He's pushed the ball out, done all he can do, really. It's taken a horrible deflection off, off Joe Lewis. And, you know, Shamanga's there, as he always is, just somewhere in the six-yard box. And it fell to him really nicely, which I think probably... You know, he, he may be deserved for being in the right place at the right time. And obviously he got his second the same way. Um, and going into the last five minutes, I was I was very, very close to to turning the television off because we hadn't really offered anything. Even even when they'd gone 2-0 up, the changes that, that Johnson had made, they didn't really inspire the, the thought of a comeback or the fact that we might get anything out of the game. Um, but as... The, the Chesterfield manager said in his post-match interview, that's football. He, he pulled a buckle out of the bag um, and was, was very much talking in his final third entries and, and you know, penetration and things like that. Um, the, the truth of the matter is our boys showed a, a lot of heart and a lot of desire. They kept going, even when things looked as if they were a bit of a lost cause. And, you know, two, uh, one lovely finish, actually. Uh, Little's composure in the penalty area um you know I don't know if you guys have seen since you've got back but it was onside there, there's no doubt about it you know he was a, a yard onside it was a fantastic ball from Holman um and that gave us that that little bit of impetus really to to then sort of try and press them back in injury time and I, I 
still don't really know whether the ball had crossed the line before Weston decided to smash it into the roof of his own net. But quite frankly, I don't care. Yeah, um, I agree with a lot of what was said there. Um, you're right on McDonald. I don't think you can have any. I don't think you can blame him for that. Um, I was pleased to see as well that I was proved right on Chimanga there. Um, I said he's someone who. Uh, only scores goals when he gets given chances and we shut him out for the first half, didn't do any chances. And then he came and got two chances in the second half and scored them. So, I, I, yes, it's good to, good to hear that. I was absolutely bang on with that. Um, yeah, it was a really good show of resilience and uh, we weren't... I, Chesterfield were better than us, I thought. They didn't, they didn't create a lot, but they had much more of the ball. Um, but we kept at it and... To be honest, even at 2-1, I didn't really believe that we were going to go back, but we did, and I was pleased, and um, there's very few better things in the world than uh, late equalisers away from home. So, yeah, happy days. Yeah, I mean, I was pretty happy with our performance the whole way through the game. Sort of just before we scored the goals, I actually said to my fiance, I was like, Do you know what, you know, like losing today was kind of something I thought would happen, which everyone has been teasing me for because I thought we were going to lose 4-1. But um, I thought that at no point did we give up. I thought our defence looked really solid. Um, and we were losing 2-0 and I thought, Do you know what, it's not the worst result to come away losing 2-0 because I think we've shown, I've seen a lot worse talky performances where we've just been walking around and not really looking that interested. Um, and I thought everyone just kept going really well. I was a little bit shocked when he took off uh, the loss, and I thought, oh, Danny Wright should have gone off. And uh, I'll hold my hands up, but um, Gary Johnson knows what he's doing, and I do not. So <laughs> I thought the substitutions worked out really well. Um, I sort of, when the first goal went in, I was like, oh, I looked at the clock, and I was like, I reckon there's still time, you know. I said it to, I said it to my partner. I said, I don't know, I reckon we could go again. And then Danny Wright kind of had that header, that really good chance, and and put it right at the goalkeeper and I started thinking I'm not so sure but it was great we just kept going and they just kept working really really hard and and although Danny Wright didn't score he just he continued to cause problems for their defence and uh, they kept watching him all the time and sort of took their eyes off Lapsley and I think because Lapsley doesn't come on looking like a very foreboding character but I thought he just created enough problems um, and Alex Adai really opened the game up sort of added a bit more width to what we were doing so I thought the substitutions worked out obviously really well. Um, and to be honest, it felt like a win when we were there. It was absolutely great. It's my first time back at the football since the pandemic. And it was a really, really great result and a great match to see. Yeah, twice I have tweeted um, or gone to tweet about things about the game. And I, I put win instead of draw uh, because it, it did. Uh, I don't want to say that it felt like a win because that's redolent of a a much worse time in Torquay's history, but we had, it very much did because we had, despite creating probably the four best chances in the game, the two goals that we scored, the Lolos chance that he, he had more time than he thought, and Danny Wright's header, I think after we scored the first, right, he had that header for two all. Um, great ball to the far post, right, you're doing Danny Wright things, but headed it straight at the goalkeeper. And I think back over um, over the match, Chesterfield's chances amounted to their two goals. And one speculative effort from about 25 yards in the second half that Max sort of fell on and, and smothered. That was about it. Um, your man, um, it's not Pemberton anymore, what's he called? Rowe? 
James Rowe. James Rowe. He can bang on about final third penetrations all he likes. Um, it's Keep that sort of language for Pornhub, thank you very much, because it means nothing in football. You, you can get you know, all, all the stats where um, we've got a, in the Benny Winter conversation on Twitter, I'm playing a fun game at the minute where I post up the stats from football matches and people have to try and guess the score. You can't do it because the statistics are completely irrelevant. You can be a bit unlucky, maybe not to score, but if you're having pick a club at random Manchester United who have had 55 attempts on goal in the last two games and not scored one of them. Well, whose fault is that? Shoot straight. It's no good. You know, all right, we... Pemberton... Don't, no, Pemberton have done it. Again, Rowe doesn't seem to understand. Um, and it's the same with all the spreadsheet managers. That, yeah, we, we had loads of the ball and got in there half all the while and still didn't win the bloody game isn't quite the defence of their managerial genius that they seem to think that it is. If you're having all the ball and all the chances and all the territory and all the everything else and you're still not winning games, that's endemic of a, perhaps a more serious issue than coming off the pitch and going, God, we crap. We, we haven't worried their goalie. We haven't done anything and we've rightly lost the game because you can fix that. But if you're doing all the things you're supposed to do, like having the ball and having shots and having territory, and you're still not winning games, then where the hell do you turn? That, I, I don't know. I mean, presumably professional managers do, because that must happen all the time. But what, what do you do after that? I'm not convinced that, that Roe has covered himself in glory in saying those things. He did also accuse the first goal of being offside, which in fairness, until I'd seen it again, I did. Um, I didn't you even really it, celebrate. Um, you called it scrappy as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not really sure it was. Holman made quite a nice run through the through their back line, laid a very clever little ball off, and stepping inside, I, I don't, I'm not sure how many conference standard players at 2-0 down away from home to the league leaders with two minutes to go would have the composure not to just rifle a shot in that scenario, but instead to step inside the defender, completely lose, lose the covering defender, wrong foot the goalie and slot it in the, in the far corner. So in fact, it, it's not scrappy. It's actually a really nice goal and it's considerably better than either of the two that, that they scored. So, you know, folks in glass houses, pal. Yeah, it was, it was a lovely goal. Um, to be fair, I think there was a, maybe a miscontrol or a slightly lucky deflection for Holman to get the ball in the first place before he passed it off. But once he'd done that, um, little to step inside and put it away um, was, was superb. And the gentleman that I mentioned in the halftime chat uh, very much enjoyed um, uh, Little's goal, as you can imagine, uh, as much as I enjoyed uh, all of Little's corners that either felt to be the first man or, uh, or be everyone uh, except the crucial one. So yeah, it's all good. I think you could tell by as well, like um, Chesterfield keeper a bit Loach, who sort of turned around and applauded all the away fans as well, um, and and team. You know, I think any, everyone but Ray seems to have seen that Torquay really worked really hard and, and deserved to get a draw, and and even their their keeper was admitting that and seeing that we'd worked really really hard. So I feel like a bitter like interview after a game like that is a bit of a wasted opportunity. There's not really any need to be like that personally. I think. Yeah, I mean, it must be frustrating. Everyone keeps losing to Gary Johnson in the 98th minute, but you know, that's the way it goes. There seem to be a lot of uh, supporters and, and 
people within opposing camps as well who seem to think that unless you have the most of the ball, create a hundred chances, then you're, you're not a very good team. Well, we worked very hard off the ball. You know, you can see over the last two weeks how hard they've been working on the shape, how hard they've been working on getting the right players in the right positions. You know, they, they've been training very hard and that's been, that's been quite obvious over the last two matches that actually they've started to get a little bit of confidence back. You know, they've, they've stopped tinkering with the side quite so much. He's kind of gone, right, okay, so Omar clearly needed to be taken out the firing line. Halstead, con- concussion or whatever, came out the firing line. And actually the players that he's brought in, he's just said, make, make yourselves hard to beat. And there's, there's a real skill in that as well that isn't necessarily about having 70% possession. If you, if you win a football match, you've deserved to win a football match. You can, you can be under the cosh. But it's about taking your chances when they come when they come about, and that's what Chesterfield did well for the first half of the second half. And in the last five minutes, we took the two chances that we were presented with. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we did well, and you know, Notts County gave us a load of shit on, you know, the, the that away game that we played up there because we parked the bus. But we parked the bus and we got a result. So the tactics that we employed through that game worked yeah Being... Mourinho made a career out of parking the bus I don't exactly. know what people are complaining about like exactly and if we're playing that game I mean it's a bit like we used to play against with Ling can you remember he used to have a score sort of early on and then we would all just sit behind you know and, sit and park the bus after that and that worked for a whole season you know you just get Rennie Howe to go and have a go at one of the defenders right at the beginning injure them a bit score one goal and then just come and sit behind the halfway line the whole game you don't get any more points for winning for doing a buckle and winning five four than you do doing a ling and winning one nil. I mean that you know that really was it was one nil every single week to talk. I, I can't think really of any games under Ling that we really where we went bananas. We beat Wimbledon three nil. We three nil up at half time. FC Wimbledon was that Martin Ling. Might well have been. We hadn't had a brilliant start to the season and all of a sudden out of nowhere this performance just came in. That might have been it. But broadly, yeah, you sort of you get the same number of points and everything. And you don't have to think back all that far. You only have to go back as far as Notts County at home in the playoff semi last year to to find a game where we allowed the opposition to have as much of the ball as they wanted without ever not being in complete control of the match. I, I did the episode after the game, and I remember I said the same thing then. They, yeah, they might well crow about, oh, we had 70, 75% of the ball. I'm sure you did. What did you do with it? Ah, well, we passed it from centre-back to the goalie. Goalie gave it to the right-back. Right-back gave it to the centre-back. Centre-back gave it to the central midfielder who passed it back to the goal. Yeah, brilliant. What did that get you? Absolutely nowhere because we, we just set up, you can win entire divisions simply by being well-organised and hard to beat. The year Gillingham won League Two when we went up there and sat in that awful temporary stand, I think they beat us 1-0 with a thunder bastard of a shot um, that it would have to have been to beat uh, Bobby Olejnik. And they, they did nothing else. They were completely unspectacular. They didn't play any quality football, really. It wasn't pleasing on the eye. It wasn't root wide. It wasn't anything. They were just 
They just knew exactly where to be and when to be there and what to do with the ball when they got it. And it won them the title. And that's perfectly legitimate way to, to win a match, a title, a World Cup and anything. So, no, I won't have it that, you know, oh, we didn't have, we had more of the ball. Well, you should have done more with it then, unlucky. I think also um, the long-term plan for, for Johnson probably is to be uh, a bit more uh, advanced or attacking or whatever, however you want to put it, or fluid. But he had to go back to basics because we conceded loads of goals and you had, you had to get a solid base, a solid back three um, and or back five or whatever uh, to do that. And, and yeah, let them have the ball and, and 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 take your chances when they come. To start with, is is really good, and that's um, a good way to win football matches. I do, but I do think it's in Gary Johnson's nature to be uh, slightly more aggressive. And I think as time goes on, as the players get more used to each other, as the system embeds, you will see that you've got, especially if the lemon comes back. But people like uh, like the lemon and, and little and Rogers in in those midfield roles will. Have, they have the ability to be creative and um, I think once it starts to click and O'Connell I mean he's, that's very attacking for, for a left wing back he's not a left wing back he's essentially a winner um, so the fluidity will come um, and I think the long term plan is to be uh, more aggressive but at the minute against a team that is unbeaten and top of the league it's very very sensible to try and not concede and take a point and be happy with that yeah, I totally agree. Our confidence was, must have been so low after that sort of Sally Hall Hall's one and obviously then Gary going going at them all. And I think I really did feel like coming out of that, like our priority was to stop letting in so many goals. Otherwise, we were just going to have a defence that was terrified of touching the ball. Um, and so although I didn't, I thought it was a bit disappointing in the first half that none of our forwards were staying forward and everyone was coming back I actually looking back I think that was part you know that's definitely part of the game plan like let's get our defense feeling more solid and feeling more like a team let's build that way because even if you're picking up a point here and there you know it's better than shipping in what was it 16 goals already like towards the beginning of the season so I think I think it's a really good way to build and then go forward and I really think that Alex and I will add in that sort of aggressive moving forward at pace keeping it on the floor Every time it was sort of bouncing around in the air, he would bring it down, get it onto the floor, get our get our formation back in back in shape, and I thought that was really positive. Yeah, I meant to mention a die. He was um, superb when he came on. He put, I think it was him that put the ball in for right the, the Danny Wright header. Um, he but he, he was brilliant. He, he rapid. He is strong as well. He clearly has got can cross the ball as well, which you know often with uh, with fast tricky winners you don't don't often get. But he. It looks the real deal, and I think uh, long term, if he's fit and there's room for him in the system, which I think there could be, um, then he definitely it definitely starts for me. I think he was he was a brilliant addition when he came on. I can see him getting the deal to the end of the season. You know, he he came on and and actually added a little bit more more width to our play. As much as the the wing backs had been trying to get forward, we had been pressed back a little bit, um, and. Whereas we've got a couple of players who like a step over, but don't actually at the moment have anything at the end of it. That's that's how he attacked their fullback as soon as he came on was a couple of step overs. He knocked the ball past and then just through sheer physicality got beyond them to be able to put crosses in. And at the moment, that's, you know, the more chances we can create, the you know, the better because goal scoring has been a problem. And, you know, and like you say, with having to be make ourselves hard to beat, we'd conceded far too many goals and we weren't scoring them. So if you're not going to score three or four goals a game, you can't concede two or three. 
because we, we just weren't going to start winning things at all. Um, I, you know, I think we'll start setting up slightly differently against the teams that you expect to beat. But when, when we go away to Stockport and Wrexham and places like that, I'm quite happy to stick a 3-5-2, get behind the ball, be organised. And then, you know, hopefully you will have people like the Lerman back. And, you know, you, you just kind of have that solid base and then let them do their thing because they're the ones that will create things. We play slightly more direct anyway. So balls that are going to go up to Danny Wright, if you can then get Connor running in behind him like he was last season, you, you are going to get those opportunities. Yeah, it makes it much more, makes us much more multifaceted. It gives us many more threats if we've got the the wide options as well as uh, as a following. That partially what was such a nightmare for uh, opponents last year when we had Whitfield and the main fit. Who do you two man? There was an attack we had quite late in the game yesterday. The ball was not long up to whoever was on our left has had Chory Johnson gone off by then maybe I'm not sure ball had gone really really long up to somebody um and it might actually even have been when we got the corner for the equalizer they put five men just flooded over towards him and I I said slash shouted slash demanded well there's got to be a ball on because they're all fucking over there there's the goalie, and then there's five defenders, and there's about three guys still down in the corner because we'd had the throw in, and then the ball had gone long. Got to be space for somebody, and it was in then trying to get that ball across that we got the corner that got us the equaliser. And it, it's just it, you, we we aren't pulling. One of the problems I think we're having at the minute is we aren't pulling. It's stretching the back line of the the opposition. They can be compact and narrow, which then completely nullifies. Righty, because particularly if he hasn't got, as you say, Nick, the lemon running off him, any ball that goes up to him, you're asking for a knockdown. Righty's not going to get up, bring it down, turn, get a shot off. That's not his game. Same as it wasn't Tim Sills's game. What Righty's going to do is, is win you that ball, and then it's up to the players around him to go and pick up seconds. Well, if there are four defenders packed into a the width of the 18-yard box, not having to go any wider because we've got no wide threat, well, the chances of it falling to Lolos or Holman or whoever happens to be up there is virtually zero. So what we need is some width. And that kind of brings me on to a conversation I had with Jake Andrews. Uh, opposition managers, if you're listening, please, this is all a lie, obviously. Um, but he's fit. He's fit and ready to go. He's trained all week. He has been ill. He's not ill anymore. He's, he's ready to go. He trained all week. Maybe he could have played yesterday and just didn't. I don't know. But he said another full week of training and he is fully up to speed. Now that gives, A, that gives Johnson a real selection headache because the three who came on yesterday must be pushing for starts because all three of them, like everybody else, I went, Lolos, you're fucking taking Lolos. Our only goal threat, we're taking him off for. And lo and behold, Holman came on and was transformation. It was absolutely brilliant. Uh, same with the die, uh, who I liked when I saw him at Solihull, and I very much liked him yesterday as well. You can't knock him off the ball. You can't really foul him because he won't let you foul him. He's got an end product. He's got a bit of pace. He's everything we need. He might turn out to be a really good uh, signing for us. So, yeah, very happy. But if you've got a die on one side and Andrew's on the other, providing a bit of quality from out wide, and you've got 
say the lemon playing with righty that gives us much more of a, a dual threat keeps the defenders much more on their toes and will probably lead to scoring more goals so yeah um think all all of us have got that right in that we desperately need to be giving a dire contract as quickly as possible and you know who else gets a contract for the rest of his life if the stories are true mcdonald yes number 37 uh, yeah incredible a he needs to have the number one shirt um concussed or not chicken wing boy can go um he needs the number one shirt he's the best goalkeeper at the club and I really can't think of a better man for uh, Marcin to learn from some of these little tips and tricks up the way. Uh, for those of you who may not have seen, allegedly, uh, Mac stuffed the ball up his shirt and refused to give it back to um, Chesterfield after we'd scored the equaliser, which is just novel shit housing, and you love to see it. It's absolutely sensational. He's lived in the... Well, firstly, he's learned from one of the great shithouses in Coverland, to be fair. One of, one of the absolute uh, trailblazers in, in late injury uh, fakery. But I think being a talkie player for so long under Gary Johnson, uh, McDonald has had a, a great tuition in, in, in yeah, being a bastard and um, is, is institutionalised now, really, and in, in a way that, um, in a, in a way that uh, we should applaud and... Uh, Yes, absolutely. Lifetime contract. Get his name on a plaque. Name the ground after him. Whatever. That was that's just superb stuff. Yeah, I think we were like missing a bit of spirit in this in this team a little bit. Um, sort of the rats that left, and you know, taking players with them, and like you know, it all being a bit. I think we went into the season thinking we were going to pick up where we left off, right? And like me and Matty were having a conversation before the game about how we can be a little bit guilty of saying, you know, we're in a tin pot league, a league that we've been in for quite a long time now, um, and, you know, not quite feeling that. And I think for me, like the performance yesterday and and having McDonald back as well, as, as brought us, a, we went into that game not going like, we're going to win this because we're talking and we nearly won last year, you know, we nearly went up last year. It, it went more back into, these guys are top of the league, we're going to respect that, but we're going to play them as well and we're going to change our formation a bit, we're going to defend a little bit more. And having Sean McDonald back, I just think, I oh know, I think he's really added. You could see him talking to the defence a lot. You could see him having a go at them when they needed it. And yeah, like Matty said, he's obviously trained at being a bastard. So that's really great too. That I think exhausts, does it not? Correct me if I'm wrong, everybody. I think that exhausts Chesterfield. Very happy to get a point. Um, don't think they will be finished there. I don't think they'll be troubling the title this year they were fine but probably not got the quality that you probably one more thing would. about Chesterfield though three pounds for a cup of tea two pound fifty for a Kit Kat chunky ridiculous Scandalous. honestly spend some of that furlough money I hope you're giving this cash back to Her Majesty's Treasury you know where they've got so much money though you know why they've got all of that money you see it no. so it's they, an insurance um, policy wasn't it yeah they they took their insurance provider to court uh for covid and they won so they got a big payout for covid that a lot of other people didn't get which is why they had so much money to spend so i really think they could bring the price of tea down a bit okay oh i didn't know that no okay all right so uh, what they had like business interruption insurance for pandemics and it was something like that yeah i think and yeah. and they they whatever they'd done when they obviously furloughed all their players mm -hmm. but then obviously everything that they'd spent out and lost through gate revenue 
they were also able to claim back. So not only did they take advantage, more than take advantage of the furlough scheme, they also then, you know, won a massive payout for all of their loss of earnings. Hmm. Also, can you remember the negative news they got during the pandemic? They all got the vaccine early. Did you see all that? They all managed to, they they didn't actually do anything wrong, but um, yeah, I think like a lot of people cancelled to get their vaccines and they reached out and and the nurses reached out to the club and all the players got their vaccine sort of way ahead of their age groups. So they had a, they've had a fun pandemic, lots happening at Chesterfield. Uh, That might not have gone down so well with the people we saw outside the the ground, who's like (laughs) anti-vax protesters. So I'm not sure, um, um, yeah, James Rowe was too popular with them in that case. I think, I think they're pro-plague protesters are they not rather than anti-vax yeah yeah okay fair enough right so that's chesterfield done and dusted um we've got a game upcoming not in the podcast obviously we've we none of us none of the four of us had the foresight to prepare a game we're very sorry uh chris ballard will probably be back next week um but we've got a game coming up next saturday uh, and it is against wheelstone Wealdstone Football Club, who were part of what was potentially the most tin pot football match um, the National League had ever seen yesterday when they played Kings Lynn. Kings Lynn versus Wealdstone. Is that the most Mickey Mouse National League fixture of all time? I mean, it, yeah, that's it. We talk <laughs> about it? we talk about us looking down on the lead and saying it's Tim Portman. You have to say it is a Tim Portman if clubs like that are in it. It's, it's a disgrace that they're at their level. We should be eternally ashamed that we've, we've been renovated from the Football League and we have to face filth like that. It's strict because there's, there's two real halves. Aren't you? You're looking at Stockport and that paying League One wages and then you've got Kingsley and Wealdstone in the same division. You get, how is this possible? I, was, I did read an interesting thing. Um, this is not a Kingsley podcast, but Apparently it is. Um, I did read a thing from their chairman bemoaning the lack of support they've had this season and saying that um, he feels like maybe the supporters don't quite have the connection with the club that they should have done. Mate, you charged like 35 quid for an adult to get in after the pandemic last year and then tipped up at games in your Bentley. It's a mystery to me. What, for a single ticket? Yeah, the adults were something like 35 quid for that. They had a handful of games like we did where you could get in because there's no Rita's in Norfolk. There's fucking nothing in Norfolk, but there's no Rita's <laughs> over that way. I, Tom Vosper, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Um, I'm not. And so he charged an absolute fortune. And people were saying, well, this is scandalous. He's like, well, I don't care. If you want football and you want to come and watch Kingsley, pay it or don't. If you're not a proper supporter, don't come. And then he wonders why like 700 people this year are turning up. God, piss-taking bastard. I'm not having that. They didn't offer any concessions either. So yeah, it's it, so it it. £35 a ticket. And if you wanted one of your kids to go with you, it was 70 quid for the two of you. It wasn't sort of, you know, they didn't inflate their kids' prices a little bit. They said, we can only have this number of people in the ground. And therefore, if you want a, if you want a space, it's £35 a space. Which is just, just a piss-take, absolute piss-take. Yeah utterly preposterous and then he as i say now he's moaning about oh it's not very fair because we don't seem to have um, supporters with a connection to the club i wonder why um so we've got we got wheelstone on uh saturday which means apart from anything else uh josh umera will be um telling the coach driver the wheelstone coach driver which way to go how to find play more and there's at least one person in here 
who is a fully subscribed member of the Josh Humera fan club. So I, I wonder what he thinks about seeing the return of uh, the, the big man himself. Hi. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm equally excited about, about Matt Booz as well. I, I, hope, I hope he gets picked. I know he's, I know he's been um, on the bench recently. Um, but yeah, that is exciting. I mean, um, obviously, obviously they're both going to score three goals each and we're going to get hammered. But um, there's a but there's a more important point that was made on the last podcast, which is players like that aren't rubbish footballers. They just need to get time at a level that suits them. And Emera scored goals this season because he's their num- he's a number one, he's a first choice striker at a team in the bottom half of the conference. And that's his level. And he isn't um, somebody who's good enough to be thrown into a title chase when one of the best strikers in the league gets injured. Um, I mean, you can only hope, you can only hope that we give away a penalty and Booz takes it. Um, but I think, I, I think, I think the, the the comic irony of that may actually not be, uh, it may just bring back memories that aren't worth, uh, aren't worth thinking about actually. So actually let's, let's draw that off and not do that. I'd go fucking mental if he stepped up and scored a penalty. <laughs> Absolutely mental. He would leather it in the top bin as well. I mean, of course no- he would. Oh, he'd score. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know you're right. Like, Imeras, you know, he, he would have done a job for us had had he been the, the player that came on when we were 2-0 up with 20 minutes to go. He was, he was always destined to play that role. Unfortunately, Danny Wright getting injured and then us going through a host of... Uh, Strikers, some who were shitter than others. Um, you know, I, I mean, Amera didn't even get a, a chance at the end of the season, did he? He was, you know, he was being shipped out, you know, in favour of Benji, who, you know, cost us four points in the space of about a week. Um, you know, and, and I have no issue with Benji. <laughs> he did. He had a, he had a cracking game when he came on in the the playoff final. But you know, Josh Amera was never supposed to be. The person who came in to save our season, he was always he was always designed to be the the second, third, fourth choice striker, someone who could come out come on as an option to bully a tired centre back sort of thing. So, yeah, I, he, he you're right, he's found his level. Um, Buse perhaps maybe hasn't quite gone down to his level just yet. I I still maintain still that he, his level. Yeah. I still maintain he should have he should have gone to Bath because I think somewhere at the top end of the National League South. Was probably there or thereabouts. There, there or Truro would have been an ideal destination for him. Um, I think Wealdstone, he's he's still just a little bit treading water. Guaranteed to score against us, isn't he? Mm. <laughs> and get booked, of course. Um, I, I worry about games clubs, clubs like Wealdstone. I just think this is where, like what I was saying about our actually going to Chesterfield can sometimes go against us. Like, we really need to go into that game. Like, we need to build. We've had two unbeaten. Like, let's build, let's win, but let's not go into that game thinking we're going to win. Because I think, and I think our fans, and I'm guilty of it too. And, um, you know, I feel like we should go over there and we should, we should win. And, that, you know, it should be straightforward, um, but it never is. And these kind of games, you know, I remember the season where we smashed the National League South and I sort of was in holiday in Sidmouth and I thought, oh, Managed to convince my partner that I'll break up the holiday and we'll go to watch Torquay and it'll be great because we're banging in goals like left, right, and centre. And it was the worst game. And I came away from it like so angry and it completely spoiled the holiday. So I think they're the games that were always at a little bit of a risk of 
of losing. And I, I mean, playing ex-players is always, they're always fired up. That's the thing, like when you're playing against your old club, if, if you've got something to prove, they'll go into that game with, with, with a lot to show. And I think like we, need, we probably need to watch out for them more than we think. Although I do agree with like, that they're perhaps playing a little bit above their level. There's nothing like a, yeah, there's nothing like going back and sort of trying to prove yourself. Um, especially if like, if they left in a bad, I don't know if they left in like um, with bad feeling or anything like that, but I think they might be players to watch on Saturday. Yeah, and um, we so last year obviously we beat Wealdstone away two one, and we drew one all with them at home. And speaking of of ex strikers who have gone on elsewhere and banged in goals, who scored all three of our goals against Wealdstone last season? Mr. B Waters, Billy Waters. So yeah, <laughs> he's he's Not obviously gone on and and he's he's banging in the goals as well. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, bit frustrating when you look at the, the strikers that have gone on elsewhere and, and it's only frustrating because they're not scoring goals for us and we're not scoring goals you know I, I Umera would have would have been on every single person's you know list of players to be released at the end of last season um Waters probably not on everybody's list but would have still been on a fair few people's yeah, he, um, you know, the same thing as with Umera, I starting every week and scoring a load of goals applies to, to Waters. He plays 90 minutes every week. He knows he's going to play 90 minutes every week. It's absolutely no surprise that he's a conference's top scorer because he just gets a run in the run in the team. As we saw last year, he was, what did he play? About th- two, two and a half, three games, and he wasn't very good when we were starting him at the end of the season. Then he got the banger against somebody cut him from the from the right and smashed it in the top corner he got four in four or something after that and then was dropped again when when players came back so yeah all he needs like basically everybody is a run in the team a little bit of luck comes into it you know he, he puts in um editor p has said has long said that if benji tucks the first one in in the stop game whatever game Bromley Bromley game if he puts that first one in he doesn't square it for for the wrong pass in the next game he just tucks it in at the near post and it's it's two and two and we probably go up for champions you do need that little bit of luck you know you've got to sometimes you make your own sometimes you get a little bit but either way you need that little bit of luck but what you really need is to be on the pitch Waters didn't score many goals for us last year because he didn't spend very long on the pitch. So what, what were you expecting? So yeah, no surprise in that. So um, sorry, it was also not very good though. I think I, I do I think there's, there's quite good reason to not pick him at times because the lemon behind Danny Wright worked very well. And um he had he had his uses and he was uh, effective at times. He's, he scored some important goals. Um but he's I think I think we were right to release him and even even in hindsight and I think Again, he's playing at, at playing for a mid-table conference team and scoring goals, which is fine. But if you want to be at the top end of the of the league, you need to you need to. I, I think you need a better striker than that. And obviously, obviously, the the question mark comes in is have we signed someone better than Billy Waters? And I don't know if Holman or Lolos are better than that. But um, I don't think Waters was ever going to. Well, I don't think he he is the answer to take us up. Um, and I think we are better off looking elsewhere. And whether we've signed someone better is a different question, which I don't have the answer to. 
I agree with Matty, like, um, I had PTSD with Waters, to be honest, like, when he came on in the playoff final, I just remember saying to my dad, like, this isn't going to solve it, this isn't going to solve it, and then he blocked that shot, and then, like, you know, um, I don't think he was good enough the whole season, and he might be good enough with another manager, but he didn't work, him and Gary Johnson didn't work together, it's a bit like, you know, it's like anybody's working relationship with their manager, if it doesn't work with your manager, you go somewhere else and you're going to be better, I don't regret us getting rid of him, because I'd rather we had Gary Johnson and, and got rid of Billy Waters, and he's good somewhere else, because I, I, I don't know, I just can't, it just didn't work, he didn't work with Gary Johnson to play, and, and he didn't thrive under him, um, and yeah, I'm still really angry with him, so. <laughs> yeah, and, and nothing sums up Billy Waters' season at Torquay more than stepping up for the playoff final penalty and slipping over as he went to take it that that just it just epitomized everything about the year that he spent with us is he stepped up and he looked relatively confident and then he slipped over as he took it having already blocked a, a possible goal bound shot so um yeah it's, it's difficult isn't it about last season because there are there are so many near misses like you talk about Benji's two, the one at Bromley and the week after at Stockport, where those four points possibly are the tipping point that take us up because that's where we'd we'd just gone back to the top of the league. If we'd won that game against Bromley, we'd have remained top of the league. So, though, you know, there's there's that. Then there's, you know, the, the referee in the playoff final who there's that little tipping point where neither of those two goals should have been disallowed. And, and there's just all those fine margins that, you could you could pick probably a list of four or five and in fact maybe we we do that and we could we could pull that out and see what people think because i'd be really interested to think what people feel is the just that one thing that made the difference last season that we could have either gone up as champions or gone up through the playoffs but what that just that one moment was that meant that we didn't yeah lots of individual moments i wonder which people think had the greatest impact Overall, yeah, interesting question. That um, since we haven't got a, a an official game, do we want to do a prediction game? Do you want to see how many of you reckon that you know what's coming before we do any other business? Yeah, because uh, like the uh, well, actually, as I say, I was right on Shamanga, but like the Shamanga thing, it's it's funny when people get it wrong. It's funny when we get it completely wrong. Okay, fair enough. So um, if you want to play along, play along at home. And uh, I'm just going to go through the fixture list here. I'm going to include the Torquay game because, well, I'm going to. Um, so what do we think the full-time result is going to be in Aldershot versus Wrexham? Aldershot, who are one of about four teams worse than us. Wrexham, who have spent more money than Manchester City. Did Old Shot win at the weekend? I think they did under their new manager. Oh, um, so sorry, I got cramped there. So, um, so I'll actually say uh, beat Notts County, didn't they? No, bad news. They lost one nil to Halifax. In that with, case, I'll say two nil to Wrexham uh, with a B Waters goal. Oh shit! Was right, the fine. winner? <laughs> uh, okay, so two nil to Wrexham. Uh, Rowena, what do you think? Uh, I think three nil to Wrexham for that one. Three nil Wrexham. Okay, French. Three one Wrexham. Three one Wrexham. Um, I am going to say, I'm going to mirror Matty actually and say 2-0 to Wrexham. I think um, I think they'll win that without Oddershot causing them too many problems. So next up is um, another top versus bottom. It's Barnet at home to Halifax. Barnet, who are, uh, they've got about 
two points than Halifax, who have the division's top scorer. No, I believe Barnet did win it the week yesterday. I think that's what I was getting confused. But I knew someone shit won. Um, so I'll say 1-0 to Barnet. 1-0 to Barnet. Brave, OK. Same order again, Rowena? 2-1 uh, Halifax. 2-1 Halifax. 1-0. Uh, 1-0, OK. I, again, I think Halifax will win that 1-0. I think it's going to be Waters again. There we go, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Dagenham and Redbridge versus Altrincham. Um, Dagenham, obviously, who are top. Altrincham, who are not. Uh, Dagenham, who beat Solihull 5-1 yesterday, as it is at time of recording. And Altrincham, who beat Notts County 1-0 uh, yesterday. So what do we think about that? One all. One all, that's brave. Maybe three nil, Dag and Red. Three nil, Dag and Red. Completely different outlooks there, Nick. Two one, Dag. Two one, Dagenham. I think Dagenham will get a few. I think Paul McCallum will score. So I'm going to say three one to Dagenham because I think Alti will get a goal. Uh, they're my sort of my local club now. And yeah, they're pretty good. Altrincham, they play a lovely brand of football and they're always likely to get a goal. So, yeah, OK. Uh, oh, Jesus, another top versus bottom in Grimsby versus Dover. Um, Grimsby, who are doing perhaps slightly better than some preseason predictors had them down for. And Dover, who, well, that they aren't doing badly enough for my liking, despite being on minus nine. Double figures, Grimsby. I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to be polite and say 4-0. Four 4-0, nil. Four nil, yeah, that was what I was going to go with, but okay. Uh, I reckon Dave might sneak a goal, but 3-1. Three 3-1, one. Three one, okay. Well, I was going to go 4-0 as well, but to be different, I'll say 3-1. So three, I, I am just going to say 4-0, um, and to be honest, that wouldn't be enough for me. I'd only be happy if it was 40-0. Why do you hate Dave so much? Darrell Berry, who doesn't hate Dover. I've played stuff at Dover, they just stand close. And they're just a woeful club. Um, they didn't pay for a player, we sold them. They gave it the big one. Gave up last season, didn't they? Gave up last season, cost us three points. Um, ended Darrell Berry's career and laughed about it. Um, and they're just generally a woeful club with a hideous ground. It's a pretty um, horrible a place as well. Terrible place. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, you know, the be- it's coming to something when the best thing about your town is the desperate foreigners who arrive on dinghies every day. It's legitimately the best thing about the place. Woeful. Um, it's like a castle, though. They've got like those like uh, tunnels underneath it. Oh, yeah, I did. I went cool. and I embraced my inner Matty Hayward, actually. And I went, it's the only game I've ever been to on a train. Just for fun, I thought, I'll see what British Rail's like these days. So three or four seasons ago, I went down on the train. It took fucking hours. It Dover's miles from everywhere. Jesus. And um, because I didn't want to be late, because I know what trains are like, because uh, they're obviously they're run by communists. So I had a real problem with reliability. I said, well, I'll get there really early. 
uh, on the basis that the trains will probably they'll run out of coal or something and we'll need to stop and somebody have to get out and push or the hamster on the wheel will need replacing. Um, so I'll probably only just make kickoff and no the bloody things were reliable for the first time in 50 years. And I was there about 11 o'clock. So I went for a walk up the hill. I went over the white cliffs of Dover and stuff. Um, I didn't see Farai, but if I had, I'd have kicked him in. Uh, and it, yeah, I could see the see the appeal of the place from a sort of get in there point of view from abroad. Could you, at least you something to aim for. But that was the only redeeming quality of the entire place but we did win 2-0 Brett Williams got both goals um when I think we were great escaping for about the fifth season in a row just just for balance um my rail journey yesterday was seamless and I was very happy and satisfied with my service excellent good thereby proving that privatization was the right thing to do thank you Maggie Thatcher. that's what I heard steady on and I think I think Jules has just got home <laughs> Poor bastard, honestly. Two hundred pounds on a taxi. Two hundred pounds. Unbelievable. I mean, what is he playing at? Doesn't he work at this? If this makes the edit, and I've I've um, slandered him, I'm sorry. Doesn't he work at Tesco or something? I can't imagine he's got like three or four hundred quid just on the hip every weekend to be blowing on Ubers and British Rail. It's ridiculous. Well, he mentioned earlier on that he thought he was going to get a lot of it back if he complained enough. I thought, well, it depends how you how you argue this because I mean, you spent sixty minutes of a ninety minute game of sleep. The other the other half um, being slightly the worse for wear and being cleaned up. Your own sick. <laughs> That was absolutely, oh. we haven't mentioned it yet, but an absolute highlight of yesterday it was not Jules Beasley, but it was the two um, uh, ladies of advancing years who wheeled a mop and bucket halfway around. It's not Saltergate, what is it? The Pro Act now, uh, before sort of slopping up what Jules had regurgitated um, onto the, the bottom step only to very nearly have one or both of their lives ended prematurely, but not that prematurely, by an errant shot from a, um, from a Chesterfieldian that didn't miss them by very far. Uh, genuinely hysterical. I, I creased up laughing. Uh, so to as he finished the game, we're not even halfway through yet. Uh, Maidenhead, who were doing all right. Is that right? Are they up near the top? I don't know. Uh, versus Kingsland, who are not. Maybe they had a 17th, so they're very sort of down there. Oh, okay. So it's two rubbish sides. Uh, Matty wants 1-0 one to the home side. Yeah. 1-0 Blissett, all right. 1-0 uh, for that one. 1-0. 2-0 Maidenhead. 2-0 Maidenhead. Uh, I'm saying 0-0. I'm going with a goalless draw. I think it'll be a, a real bore fest, that one. <laughs> um, here's hoping that absolutely no one gets injured in this game. Notts County versus Woking. <laughs> um, I think Notts County won that with, with some ease um, I'll say they will win it 3-1 3-1, okay Well, I hate the uh, Woking less than Notts County now so I'm going to give them a 2-1 win Excellent, okay I'm very much torn between what I want to happen and what I think will happen <laughs> um, I'd love nothing more than some kind of unexploded World War II bomb to be no, um, I think Notts County will win that 2-1. Um, you know what? I think it's they don't like it up them, Notts County. Mr Spreadsheet doesn't know how to deal with Woking and typical non-league clubs. So I'm going to say one all. 
Going for another draw, I think Woken will get a point because I, I just don't think Spreadsheet Man is going to know what to do when one of their clodders kicks one of the Notts County players up in the air into the stands in the fifth minute and he has to hobble off clutching a, a knee or a testicle or something. So one all I'm going for. Oh, game of the day, surely. Solihull Moors versus South End. I mean, what on earth are we saying about this? I literally don't care what happens in that game. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll say I'll say it will be uh, one inch. What oh, okay. Uh, I saw the whole doing all right at the moment. I think two 0 for them. I cared. I cared just as much as Matty on this one. I've I've got it down as a one all. Couldn't give a toss what happens. Uh, yeah, difficult for me also. Uh, I can't predict. I think a 2-1 away win. I'm going to say Southend to beat Solihull 2-1. Uh, the big one, since it's in alphabetical order, we might as well do it now. Torquay versus Wealdstone. What's going to happen in that one? Uh, obviously, the comedy predictions for America score loads, but I think we'll win one now. Okay. Going to venture a goal scorer just for a little fun? Okay. Um, Danny Wright. Sorry to be rude. Ooh. Excellent. Okay. Uh, I'm actually going to. I was going to say one 0 as well because I think we play quite defensive and just opt that one goal. Um, I think it will come from the loss. Okay. Good. At the risk of of doing a druif and saying I fancy us on Saturday, <laughs> um, which is always the recipe for disaster. I hate I hate predicting on Torquay because you just know that you you're giving the kiss of death. Um, I, I'm I'm going to say it's we're going to win two one. Um, goal scorers Joe Lewis and and Asa Hall. Oh yeah, I, I tell you what I'm going to have. I'm going to have one nil Torquay because they don't score many, they don't concede many. I say one nil Torquay. It's going to be an Asa Hall penalty. It's in. That's going to win it for us. I'm very happy to report that that is what's coming. No such trouble in the next game, I should think. Weymouth versus Stockport. Uh, yeah, nil three. Three nil Stockport. It's pretty pretty bog standard, isn't it? I should think. I'm quite enjoying Stockport not doing amazing. I'd say. Um, I think I have Stockport down losing one nil. Oof. Okay. I I picked Stockport to to win this one. Um, I think beating Wrexham yesterday is possibly the the point at which their season turns. Um, so I've got them as a four one win. Yeah, I I think the goals may now start to come. Um, not in huge numbers, but I'm going to say they're going to beat Weymouth two 0 So that's that's what I'm going for. Uh, the late game is Eastleigh versus. Boreham Wood and Jesus, you thought you didn't care about Solihull versus South End. What is the problem? Why is that on the telly? <laughs> well, you tell me. What was it the other week? Uh, Weymouth, it- Weymouth Dover. Weymouth Dover. Oh, good <laughs> Lord Almighty. I mean, can you imagine as a, a League Two or a Football League executive, you've probably got a letter on your desk from some desperate National League fan of a proper club saying, please promote three teams and relegate three teams from the National League because we're a fully full-time professional division. You go, mm, OK, let's have a watch of this fully full-time professional division then, shall we? You put BT Sport on, it's Weymouth and Dover kicking lumps out of each other on a ploughed field at 520. Uh, oh, in front of like 650 people. I was going to say 520 will be the attendance, actually, won't it? That, that could no. well be, yeah. 
Um, didn't they have a load of money a few years ago? Didn't yeah. they? When Chris Todd was there, they were ploughing money into it. They're, they just, they're James out? Constable, didn't they? They're James Constable mm. up front. Midson they, as well. Is he from yeah, Jack? yeah, Midson. Jack Midson. Yeah, yeah. Just, I, I mean, I don't, I don't really understand. I mean, the whole, the whole Weymouth Dover thing. Somebody, somebody at BT Sport has gone into a meeting somewhere and said, "I've got an idea <laughs> for the She's for the third up. for the third or fourth live game. I reckon." Weymouth Dover. My problem is that somebody else has gone. I like it. <laughs> yeah. And Jeff Ray yeah, like, off at any stage in that process. You're fired. Yeah, get out. You're an idiot. You you've got a job you don't know anything about. Yeah, they've gone. Yeah, well, someone just went, you. yeah, that'll do. Yeah, it, that is more like it. <laughs> I suspected it was somebody living in Weymouth and thought, oh, excellent. I can be home nice and early. If it's late kickoff, I can still be at home and you know, in time for dinner. Okay, what do we do? I mean, I know we don't care, but what do we think the score will be in Eastley versus Boreham Wood? I'm going to base this prediction based on utter laziness. I've not I've no idea how Boreham would have got on this season, but they drew a lot last season, so um, one all. Uh, I really hate Boreham Wood. Their name is even boring, you know, it's ridiculous, but we always used to lose them. Um, uh, because it's on BT Sport and my predictions so far have been a bit dull, I'll say 3 2 to Boreham Wood. Ooh, okay. Well, um, Boreham Wood are fourth, aren't they? So they've they've had a, a, a reasonably good start to the season. And I mean, in fact, both sides are above us. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't see anything other than a Boreham Wood win. Um, but I do see it being one of those crap games. Um, I think it'll be 1 0, 1 0 to Boreham Wood, and someone's probably going to score in about the. 60th minute and and it'll just be crap uh i am going <laughs> to i don't know if easily still have ben house if they've still got ben house i think he will maybe there's a good chance he'll get one in the second half uh i am going to plan for two nil boreham wood just for no based on but virtually nothing how boreham would fourth for god's sake it's a shit league but to get the fuck out of it it's rubbish i mean they're above, they're above Notts County and Wrexham and Stockport, who have spent between them probably the thick end of a million quid already this season. And Boreham Wood are, oh, Jesus. God, just, when you, doesn't matter how long you're down here, and Wrexham fans will know about being in the conference for ages, I'm sure. Um, it doesn't matter how long you're down here. You never get quite used to being in the conference, do you? You never really yeah. get over. I still feel like we're a league club team. and we haven't been for years. But this is a good, good question as we're a few games in, right? Who do you think are going to finish first and second in the league? Oh, God. Um, I mean, I like, bizarrely, like a lot of people, I think I fancied um, Dagenham before... The season started. I know um, drifted. I think he said that there was a lot about uh, Dagenham. The guys on that obs said Dagenham were probably going to win it. I think I fancied Dagenham and Solihull were my two that I thought would probably come out of a little bit of nowhere. Um, yeah, with the money they have available to them, I, I still can't see, even despite a bad rough start, I can't see... Stockport not finishing in one of those top two places. So I'm going to say Stockport will win it and Dagenham will come second, but they will lose to Notts County in the playoffs. I know you didn't ask that, but I thought I'd volunteer it because 
male privilege, whatever. I don't know. Anybody yeah. else? That sounds about right. That's not far off what I would have said, to be honest. I think Dagenham looked towards the back end of last season looked really good. They were very good against us. Mm. Um, and strong. Twice. Yeah. Yeah, indeed, yeah. Um, strong some results together. Um, yeah, I think Notts County would be dangerous, um, although they fucked it up again yesterday. Um, but I can't look past Stockport. Stockport first and... I'm sorry, Dagenham second. That is what I think is going to happen. <laughs> Safety in numbers. I like this. I I think I think Stockport. You, you're quite right. I think they they'll they'll find that a little bit of consistency. It's taken them a bit of time. They did strengthen in in several sort of areas of the pitch. So they probably a little bit like ourselves, although they've started a bit better, are probably just about reaching that sort of knowing what their best eleven is. Um, Wrexham, I think, will struggle at the moment because they. Because they're in Wales, they are subject to the transfer window, which means that they can't actually go out and sign anybody, whereas we can. You know, other sides in the National League can. So what they've got is their lot at the moment. And, I, yeah, I think they'll struggle now until January when they will probably go out and get a few players in. Um, oh, I don't know about... I, I, I quite liked the look of... Even though we were rubbish, I quite liked the look of Grimsby when we played them. They looked pretty good and have have hit the ground running as well. So in order to try and say something different than Dagenham and Redbridge, I'll say Grimsby to finish second. Nice. I'm actually going to go with who are one and two at the moment. Um, I think Dagenham and Redbridge are looking really good. But I don't think we can write off Chesterfield. I think they, although I think we played, you know, we matched them. I did think that we went into that game playing defensive because we know what they've got up front. Um, they stay pretty solid. I think they underestimated us, which is why they lost yesterday. Um, well, not lost, see? Has <laughs> he done it again? Yeah. Why they drew with us yesterday, why they lost their two points, shall I say. Um, but I really do think that they've come flying in from the season. You know, last season they were at the bottom of the table um, and, and nearly got promoted. And um, I think they've carried that on. And I think they'll be really good. They've also got big crowds, you know, was it over 5,000? Um, yeah, 5,200, I think, so, very nearly. Yeah, um, I think I think they're they're real, they're real contenders to go up this time. Okay, well there you have it. It's the official um, talking talky position is one of six clubs will win it, and one of about another four will come somewhere in the top. But all of all of us, all of us have gone for Dagenham, have we not? No, I I oh said you want to just to be just right? To be okay, different. okay, fair enough. Well, three quarters of seventy five percent of the population. Um, believe that Dagenham and Redbridge will finish in the top two. So if you're a you're a betting man, you you have our say so to go ahead and do that. Um, any other business from anybody else? I've got something. The Talkie Women have played. They've drawn two all with Forest Green, uh, which I think probably isn't a bad result. I've seen the men draw five all with Forest Green. So uh, you know how bad a um, how bad a result can it be? Haven't had a match report through yet because we're recording about an hour after the game finished, uh, but I'm I'm sure it will have been a crack out. The reserve team, the Torquay um, development side, won 13-0. Good. So developing quite nicely, I'd say. And I am actually wondering whether we can poach any of their players for the first team um, because if they're scoring that number of goals, it can't be long before we need... Uh, for we need a little bit of help. How much worse? Blind school, though, wasn't it? So, you know. 
that's fine. They're probably still better than one or two in our division. They could be better than Dover. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. So that's um, that's something. If we can borrow one or two of their goals, can they really be any worse than? No, I'm I'm not going to say Kazela's name because that would be mean. <laughs> but can they really be worse than one or two of the fringe players that we have? Probably not. Um, and that's it, isn't it? I, for, but certainly, any other business from me. Everybody is shaking their. Oh, Nick, go on, say something intriguing. No, no, I was just having a look to see if I could see the, about the talkie women, because I was going to say that I'd imagine Danny White would have scored both of the goals, but she didn't actually score today. Oh, did she not? Okay, no, fair enough. No, it's, um... Ellie Bishop and Ocean Lato. Oh, yes. oh I, I, I'm aware name. of Bish, but I don't know the... Oh, i tell you what was interesting in the Premier League, that um, Australian referee. Oh, Jared. Jared yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's really good. I saw him when I was when I was in Australia. He was he was um, refereeing the A League games down there, and he is absolutely brilliant. His communication with the players, and he never at no point do you see him make a real snap decision. He always gives himself a minute. But like I say, over there they have the, the referees are mic'd up. Yeah. So when you watch the games on telly, you can actually hear them talking to the players. And he had he had so much respect from the players in that league. I think on his last game, there's there's I mean you can probably YouTube it, but you find his last game, and every single one of the players, every one of the twenty two, went up to him and said, "Good luck when you move over to England," because they they loved him over there, and he is a brilliant referee. Yeah, we I'm love gonna... we love spoiling referees though over here. So they, they all start good and then sort of steadily decline until they don't play anymore and go to Dubai. So. <laughs> yeah, well, that's um, that's exposure to Mike Dean, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I've, I've seen the video a couple of times uh, that Nick referenced there. It's only four or five minutes. Well worth looking. Just punch his name into YouTube and it comes up. And yeah, he, he talk about giving yourself time. I mean, he just, he does things just to appease players and stuff. He explains decisions and he goes over to the big screen, even though it, all he's going to see is, he knows what he's going to see. He's already made his choice, but it's what the players expect. And it's all about, um, it's a bit like, in the you know, in the bit in the Green Mile where Tom Hanks says to Percy about our job is to keep these men calm. It's not to antagonise them. Well, that's sort of what the referee is there for. Players know what is and isn't a foul. They know what they can and can't do. The referee isn't there to, ensure they follow the rules breaking the rules is part of the game committing fouls is part of the game trying to pinch five yards on a throw in is part of the game the referee knows referees only there really to sort of be in authority to stop that but the real skill of a referee is in enforcing those rules without winding people up without getting on the player's wick without putting their other other players then in danger you know you may you know we old um, david ellery used to get on like Roy Keane, Roy Keane's tits, and then he would go out and want to snap Patrick Vieira in half because he was already overwound up. Well, if you'd had a nice, calm referee keeping everything on a on an even keel, displaying a little bit of like skill as a referee rather than just whistle and point, who knows? You know, would, would those sorts of incidents maybe have been mitigated? Cantona jumping into the crowd. For example, Man United had a lot of lunatics, didn't they? Jesus, what was Ferguson smoking when he signed all these? Christ. I think this is I one of the things that topic. I wanted to bring up that was football related, which it was really positive news that the government are banning gambling uh, websites and, and advertising on shirts. I think this is the first step to get that a little bit out of the game. Um, I'm always surprised whenever I watch any sport on Sky or BT, um, you know, gambling 
can be obviously great but it is also a recognized mental health and, and addiction and I think the game needs to catch up with that you should still be allowed to gamble if you want to but it shouldn't be like you know throwing down people's throats all the way and I think this is the first step and the next step is to get the advertising boards got rid of and, and move away from advertising gambling as connected to football. I agree completely I I've, I've thought that for some time I found it really ironic when you, I was listening to Talk Sport and Jim White and that were talking about it saying how it should be it should be banned and what have you whilst their show their, their particular show was advertising betting companies and, and it was just it was so hypocritical that he's saying on his show we need to get rid of you know these gambling companies out of football and then his show was I can't even remember which betting company it was but he went to an advert break and it was it was a, a two-minute advert for a betting company it's, it's an absolute barrage as well you know it's just betting company after betting company after betting company and I think it's time professional footballers um you know stop being on those adverts as well seeing Jermaine Jenner on a gambling advert like you know get off those it, it's a dirty association um yeah. and I think they all need to we, we just need to completely move away from it um and I think you know the government I'm first to criticize the government about everything they do but to see that they're actually taking action and and doing that and I think the next thing I want to see is I don't want to see Peter Crouch on a gambling advert you know you're not he's not a stupid guy like get off it is, is money really really that like important to you that you'll do that I think next step is is getting them off it as well that's a that's a that's a thing about the culture of football isn't it more than anything else I, I mean Peter Crouch has got some fun to be doing that to be fair but like you can't presumably make a law that anyone who's connected with football can't be on an advert but if it becomes, you know, it's, it's like um, being on your phone while driving. If it becomes socially unacceptable, then then then, then they won't do it, or at least um, they'll be called knobs for doing it. Um, and yeah, all of the crowds, Mourinho is this this is crap. And it, and as you say, the legislation is really good, and obviously in favour. Yeah, because like you know, like smoking and alcohol is not allowed, and. Uh, um, it doesn't mean that people aren't allowed to, to drink and smoke you can do what you want like if you want to gamble go for it but you know um it preys on people who are, are struggling with addiction and clubs need to stop having official affiliation with betting companies as well you see arsenal's social media you know tweeting out gambling things so i really do hope that yeah as matt said this will change the culture um we're, we're moving forward with it yeah i i did not know that that's that is welcome news and it's something that should have have happened a long while ago you can't advertise cigarettes because they're bad for you. You can't advertise booze because it's bad for you. Well, you can't advertise gambling because it's bad for you. No one's saying you can't do it. This isn't the Wokarati PC brigade cancelling things. I'm still not entirely certain what that means, but it's not any of that. You're still free to walk into a William Hills. It's still a free country. You're still a free-born citizen of this glorious United Kingdom, this Great Britain, this sceptered isle of ours. Just you're not allowed to advertise it. If you want to do it, do it. But you can't just endlessly be saying, hey, kids, this is a brilliant thing to do. Or, hey, people, I cannot imagine being a recovering gambling addict and endlessly trying to avoid doing it. Just sitting there, right, if I don't, if nobody says anything, you say to your friends and family, please don't come around and say to me, hell, bloody hell, have you seen six to one winner in, in the derby? You don't say any of that. I can probably get through it. And then you can't turn on your radio. You can't turn on the TV. You can't open a newspaper. You can't do anything 
It's just really sad to lose. You know, if you're a big football fan and you're trying to get over that, it shouldn't be that you can't watch football anymore because it's going to make you relapse. Those two two things shouldn't be connected. And as football is moving forward to becoming much more of a sport for all, it really is. You know, families, you saw those lovely, I don't know if you guys saw it, but the Fulham players going over to that boy who had terrible palsy, he's had a really rough time online. More and more, we're getting more of this attitude around football and, and we need to protect everybody that watches football. Yes. Oh, um, inclusivity. Sorry, we there is one last thing. Uh, we need to press the club on the Her Game 2 initiative because they, as usual, we haven't fucking signed up for it despite the fact that it's free and easy and entails only good things. But for some reason, um, Turkey are always behind the zeitgeist on these things. Uh, lads, we've got a new social media woman. We, we've got rid of one of the obstacles from the club to progress can we not please just sign up for it you don't have to do anything just sign up for it so at least we can be one of the clubs who've signed up for it it just means that women can go to football uh, and feel a little bit safer and happier about it um it's not something for very obvious reasons that i've ever had to deal with um my dear old ma has been going to football for years up at Stafford Bridge at, at Craven Cottage at Wembley all over the country she goes home and away to Torquay um we don't tend to get any trouble but then she's like uh, you're not a woman <laughs> no that's it you know she's sort of I had a good one um somebody told me did I even know what corner was at Torquay once and uh considering the reason I was there yesterday was my fiance was I dragged him there because I wanted to see the football and I have people say stuff like that to me and it'd be really nice what her game two has. They have a reporting function where you can report if someone does something like that to you or, you know, that's small fry really because you have more horrible things happen and um, you can report it to the club and the club can take some action about the person that did it. Yeah, it's really, really positive. I don't know Good. why the club haven't signed up to it. It's It's such an easy thing to do and actually you can feel a little bit of pride that your club is taking a forward step as well. Yeah. It's, it's it, it, nobody, nobody, no matter who you are, the, the young lad who was getting loads of social media abuse, you know, the, the cerebral palsy, the Fulham fan and all the players went over and supported him. And, you know, and that's, that's fantastic to see. And, and our club just seems to not be prepared to take that step forward you know, it's exactly the same as, as the supporters trust trying to get sanitary products in the women's toilets. It's not going to cost the club anything, yet what they're going to get out of it is so much great publicity and just a really good feeling amongst the supporters that they're trying to do things to make themselves more progressive. And I think um, her game too have got more than like 10,000 followers as well. And then they retweet that they're matched up with you. And then that's going to make people think that Turkey is a safer place to bring their little girls or for women to go on their own. Like I've never felt comfortable enough to go to a football game on my own. I was only talking about yesterday because Matthew, you sort of came here and we met up before and um, my partner was saying, well, have you ever gone to a game on your own? There is absolutely no way I'll go to a game on my own as well then. It just would, I wouldn't do it. Like I wouldn't feel comfortable doing it. I'm sure it'd be fine, but I just wouldn't do it. And if we were pushing that across, we might have women that like don't have to be in a couple or feel like they can just come on their own and get involved and, and it's just more fans and it's a, a nice atmosphere. I think, yeah, I, I don't really understand why we haven't done it, but I'm still waiting, like, like Nick said, I'm still waiting for those sanitary items as well. So. Absolutely yeah. preposterous. There's you see no this side, it's, it's mental, really. No. Um, and it's no. awful that you feel that you can't go to football by yourself because that's, you know, that's not a, a world that any of us would want to live in, but 
and yeah, this very small step to join up with the Power Game Two people, are, it clearly make, would make a bit of a difference, or at least would make people, women feel more welcome. And that's um, it's a tiny, tiny, tiny step, and it's and it's uh, it would be hugely beneficial. But sorry, go on. So what will make a difference, I think, is um, as we're seeing, or I've seen certainly from the um, the pleas from women about other things, you know, their general public safety, is women would like chaps to help them out. It's always a chap who's being a, a dick. So if there are other guys around, women can't, by and large, a lot of women don't feel comfortable in saying, fuck off, mate, will you? But guys can. We can. What, what's some bell end at the football going to do if they're picking on a woman? What are they realistically going to do if two or three guys tell him to pipe down? Nothing is the answer. And even if they do, well, like sort of. So what? Have a punch up. It will soon stop people doing it if they they do it because they think they'll get away with it. If the punishment for being a dick to a woman at the football is three teeth and a broken nose and a night in A and E. Are you? Is it price worth paying? Shout Probably out to not, the three no. uh, Chesterfield fans though that told me I knew nothing about football as they walked past me as I left the ground. <laughs> Thanks, day, guys. <laughs> I yeah, don't think me that, being that. a woman has got anything to do with my knowledge of football, but um, I did enjoy taking those two points off you. So yeah, <laughs> no, knowing about as much as the Chesterfield manager though, isn't it? So it's. Absolutely fine. <laughs> yeah, actually, maybe that's in your advantage. Right? Maybe you should get an application, and when he gets the boot. Like, they might have been the same guys that went on to attack the uh, Torquay fans bus, though. So there was a good yeah. set of them around. The only final third penetrations they'll be getting all season. Anyway. Hey! The penetrator has been used so much today. <laughs> I'm, I'm very happy. I'm very, very happy about this. Um, are we done? Have we discussed everything that we wanted to discuss? Nick, did you have anything else? No, all good. No. Brilliant. Matty, no. no. Haywood is starving and he's got a pot noodle to eat he's a student now. Very good, yeah. Uh, Davis Williams. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm not a Davis Williams yet, but if you could convince my partner that would be a good surname, then that would be great. Okay. Well, in <laughs> fact, I'm, I'm only saying because did you know that that is your Zoom name? Yeah, I'm just sort of getting in there slowly, you see. Okay, okay yeah, just wearing <laughs> down a trip at a time. Okay, uh, thank you very much to uh, everybody for participating and uh, the three or four of you who undoubtedly will have made it to this point. And to thank you to Editor P for undoubtedly spending two hours of her life this evening editing this podcast. Uh, we will see you for episode 40, probably this time next week, Sunday next week. Bloody hell, 40 episodes. Who'd have thought it? Have a lovely time between now and then, uh, and please do join us then. Thanks. Bye-bye.